0: Hello and welcome to this week's edition of The Bible in the News. We're going to be talking about Israel's political system and God's plan, how the two fit together. So when we think about God's plan, God's plan and world events, conditions in the world may, in any moment, be apparently aligned or misaligned with God's ultimate prophetic plan. But we need to remember that God's plan doesn't change, and just because events swing one way or another... It doesn't change the ultimate purpose of God. What we're given in the Bible is really snapshots. There are specific snapshots given to us. We're given pictures at specific points in history or points in the future. And then sometimes we're left to fill in the gaps in between and discover exactly how that will come about. What we have to remember when we consider this is that God can change man's plans or change who's in power. Proverbs 21 verse 1 says, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, as rivers of water. He turneth it whithersoever he will. So even the heart of the king, his feelings are in God's hand. He can turn them however he wants. On the occasion of Nebuchadnezzar's being made to behave as a wild beast, Daniel 4 verse 17 says, To the intent that the living may know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will, and setteth up over it the basest of men. So it's God that rules in the kingdom of men, and he gives it to whoever he wants, and sets up over it sometimes the basest of men. So when we think of this, we look at, say, this classic passage, Ezekiel chapter 38, verse 11 and 12. This is a snapshot that's given to us that is the situation at the time that Gog and Magog invade the land of Israel. So these verses say, And thou shalt say, this is Gog speaking, I will go up to the land of unwalled villages. I will go to them that are at rest, that dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates, to take a spoil and to take a prey, to turn thine hand upon the desolate places that are now inhabited, and upon the people that are gathered out of the nations, which have gotten cattle and goods that dwell in the midst of the land. So this is a chapter that's talking about the invasion, but also we're given this information about the situation in the land of Israel at that point in time. So it's, it's a land that's a land of unwalled villages. So the implied in that is they're not in any fear of invasion. I'll go to them that are at rest, that dwell safely. This is emphasized. They're, they're peaceful. They're, they're feeling secure and safe and, and they're, they're not, they're not thinking that they're threatened in any way. They have no walls. They have no bars or gates. But we're told that he comes to take a spoil and to take a prey. So he's got a purpose in coming, and that's to get a little advantage by the things that he can steal. He's going to turn his hand upon the desolate places that are now inhabited. So these places that, you know, back in the 1800s were totally desolate with nobody even there, they're now inhabited. And Israel is back in the land, because it's upon the people that are gathered out of the nations, and they've gotten cattle and goods. And importantly, on our consideration today, they dwell in the midst of the land. The Hebrew that's used there only occurs in one other place, and at that point, it's referring to, to Shechem, which is in the middle of Samaria. So that midst of the land, it's it could be literally translated the navel of the land. It's right in the middle. So in recent years, things have seemed to be going in the wrong direction under Obama and under the different world leaders that have been influencing things and trying to get their two-state solution, as they call it, to come about. This doesn't quite fit with Bible prophecy, because they needed to dwell in the midst of the land, and these leaders were busy trying to get rid of the midst of the land and give it to the Palestinians. So there's an individual we're going to talk a little bit about, and her name is Ayelet Shaked, and she seems to be, at this point in time, a key force in driving things toward the biblical picture. And importantly, she is secular, and the reason I say that's important is because today people talk of things like self-fulfilling prophecies, like there's people they imagine that are running around trying to find ways to make what's written in the Bible come to pass. But if the person in question that's making it come to pass isn't even religious, This argument kind of rings hollow. So the secular lady is working with the systems in Israel to bring about changes that happen to fit with exactly what God has said is going to happen. It's also important for us to consider that God comments about parting of his land, and it's considered a cause for the judgment of God. In Joel chapter 3, he says, I will also gather all nations... And will bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat, and will plead with them there for my people and for my heritage Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations, and parted my land. And they have cost lots for my people, and have given a boy for an harlot, and sold a girl for wine that they might drink. So they are parting his land. So what we're going to consider today is Israel's supreme court. This little quote is from a left-wing blog. So um, she says, even while disagreeing with some decisions of the high court, it is described as Israeli high court of justice, an institution enjoying a worldwide reputation for defending liberal values. And the reason that is the case is because the high court in Israel is stacked with left-wing liberal ideologues. The court has a history of ruling to destroy settlements in the West Bank, in Judea and Samaria, in Israel. In 2001, it, um, I found this piece that claimed that 81 outposts had been dismantled. And some more current dismantlings that are more well-known and you may have heard of. Amona has been destroyed twice. It's been Ofra, Gilad Farm, Peace House Hebron, Eviatar, Migron, Drenoth Homes, and Beit El. The Associated Press in Jerusalem on March 26, 2012, has this headline in the Guardian, Israeli court rules against illegal settlement. So there's the court ruling against the settlement of the land of Israel. So the courts turned against the settlement of the land and they're against the legalization of towns in Judea and Samaria. Times of Israel, a little bit more up to date, 2016, part of a ruling. On the uh, on, a, on an appeal to delay the Amona evacuation, the evacuation must occur before december twenty fifth the court said in its ruling the latest twist and an ascendary battle between Israel's judiciary and the right wing governing coalition. the court rejects the delay request by the state. It appears that any time any it appears that any time limit given generous as it may be is not enough. We must be careful not to allow deadlines set in rulings to become recommendations rather than orders, they say. Here's another one, demolition at Beit El after high court ruling. That particular one brought comment from this M.K. Moti of the Jewish home. He's quoted as reacting with fury Wednesday to the high court decision to tear down the drain-off homes in Beit El. Despite the valid zoning plan and construction permit, the High Court ruled unjustly, and away benefiting charlatans, Yoget said. A D9 bulldozer shovel should be used against the High Court, he added, in a statement bound to arouse howls of anger from the left. We, as, legis- as a legislative system, will make sure to rein in the legalistic rule in this country and the tail that wags the dog. As we watch world events, sometimes fairly unexpected people, people prove to be God's instruments to fulfill His purpose. And right now, that individual seems to fit that description is Ayelet Shaked. Not that she's working alone; far from it, but she's in a key place at the right time. So she was elected to the Knesset, and she was given the position of Justice Minister. And the National Post at that time says, Overnight, a political novice was transformed into a potent and polarizing Israeli political brand. Her political goals include, among other things, enshrining into law that Israel is a Jewish state, opposing any two-state solution with the Palestinians, and limiting the powers of the Israeli Supreme Court. This sounds like something that's more in line with God's plan than the two-state solution that everybody's talking about. So strangely, when you start to work in accordance with what God's plan is and where things need to go, suddenly you might be wildly successful. So one of the moves that she's made is to influence things to be able to get new justices appointed to the Supreme Court that have more conservative views and enable more balanced rulings on some things like settlements. So the Jerusalem Post says the following. Overall, the result moves the court further to the conservative or less interventionist side of the spectrum. As both of the retiring justices, Yuri Shoham and Yoram Desinger, are considered either classical or moderate activists. And by activists, they mean people that will act in accordance with these left-wing positions and try and score political goals through the court system. Before Shackett took office in 2015, the three Supreme Court representatives could veto candidates. But Shackett cut deals with the Bar Association and got Ilatov appointed to the panel as the opposition MK, despite his party being sympathetic to Shackett's view of the court and, even later, joining the coalition. Uh, a little bit later in the article, before February 2017, the liberal wing had a decisive advantage However, three of the four justices who stepped down since February 2017 were viewed as either very or moderately liberal. They were replaced with two conservatives, Joseph Elron and David Minnitz, and one moderate, Yale Wilner, shifting the balance on some issues, giving the conservatives an 8-6 to six majority. So this really, then, is changing the balance of power, but this isn't the only thing that she's done. There's a bill that she's advancing in the Knesset. Again from the Jerusalem Post, The Justice Minister kicked off her campaign last week to limit intervention by the High Court by declaring, Judges are not the sons of light, and legislators are not the sons of darkness. In that speech, Shackett said, The High Court's ideology was based too heavily on purist philosophical principles detached from the daily repercussions of its decisions. The proposed legislation would limit the High Court's ability to veto laws to stringent conditions, requiring a two-thirds vote of a full nine-justice panel. Currently, a panel of three justices can veto a Knesset law, and a bare-majority vote renders it null and void. Under the bill, the Knesset could override a High Court veto with a 61-vote absolute majority, and the High Court would not have the power to veto basic laws or certain procedural laws. This article on Ynet News says that um, Shaked has a killer instinct, but it may not actually be instinct that she has. Let's quote first. Shaked is establishing herself as the most effective executor of the conservative ideology in Israel. She frightens the left for the same reasons, and rightfully so. Shekhead's efficiency in the justice ministry is a preview of what will happen in her next positions, while in the meantime, on the other side, there isn't a single figure to be found that even comes close to her killer instinct. While the left is spinning around its own tail with dull candidates and fantasies about generals, Shackhead is signaling to the right that she is going to fulfill its wildest dreams, annexation, a new constitutional revolution, a real neoliberal economy, etc., While working at audiences, while winking at audiences, which I doubt Bennett can attract. So they attribute this to her killer instinct and the left's ineptness, but it may just be that this is the will of God and the way that it needs to go. So what we're seeing is we're seeing around in the world this liberal, as they call it, progressive ideology that's turning nations against Israel, and it's becoming more and more so, and the more they turn to the right, the more that will be the case. This is described in Revelation 16 as frog spirits gathering the nations. Revelation 16 verse 13, I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they're the spirits of devils working miracles, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them into the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And he gathered them together into a place called, in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. So what is this talking about then? Three unclean spirits like frogs. Well, when we think about frogs and when we look at frogs in history, sometimes God uses things that we can pick up from symbols that nations use for themselves. And the frog comes up in ancient France, or you could maybe say pre-France, the Frankish tribes that came in from Germany into France. But we can see here on King Clovis's banner that he has this symbol of three. Incidentally, that's quite interesting. That is three frogs that he had on there. This was the king of the Franks, and that name Franks is interesting because Franks is an old German word that means freemen. So he was the king of the freemen. And they had a sort of version of democracy. It was a kind of tribal democracy um, in how they appointed their leaders. That kind of gives us a bit of a hint. And um, when we go back in the Bible, we see that back in Exodus, when there was the plague of the frogs, that's the first time that Pharaoh promised liberty. It was a promise that was broken, but it was a promise of liberty that was given with the plague of the frogs. And really, the promise of liberty that was given in France with the democracy really brought, for most people, anything but liberty. It actually became a bit of a bloodbath. So this is the spirit that's rising today. I recently saw a banner that was from an Antifa march that had on it, Make the Guillotine Red Again. And that's the spirit that's rising today. But in the U.S., there are winds of change. Um, a recent thing that's just come about is the firing of their Secretary of State, Tillerson. Caroline Glick comments on this. She says, During his 14 months in office, Tillerson insisted on maintaining the establishment's view that the Fatah-controlled PA is the be-all and end-all of Mideast peace efforts. Like foreign policy establishment he represented, Tillerson refused to abandon the false belief that nothing can be done without PLO approval. By removing him from office, President Trump took yet another step towards advancing prospects for peace in the Middle East. And the man that Trump has put in in his place really, in a way, couldn't be more different. It's Mike Pompeo, and he's very pro-Israel and anti-Iran. Um, so we see things are changing. We see God's hand at work. We see events changing in Israel. We see that their high court system that has been effective for so long at causing the destruction of settlements is changing. We see that the positions in the United States are changing. And uh, we see the things in the world moving quickly and the direction that they need to go and the direction that we see them going for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. So once again, we see Bible, the Bible in the news. Join us again next week for more Bible in the news. This has been Tim Billington with you.